Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Poisonies. This episode has kindly been supported by the lovely people at Emporium 32, a Salem-based business who reached out to us and have kindly put together a special offer exclusively for our listeners. Emporium 32 is Salem's premier vintage-inspired lifestyle shop, and they are also fans of the show, featuring offerings handmade by owners Gillian and Nick, along with over 100 independent artists and makers. They have something for everyone, looking to bring a bit of Salem magic home with them. They carry a wide selection of fine hats, which they guarantee are all arsenic free, accessories, unique home decor, handmade jewellery, beard care and grooming products, alongside a wide range of drinkware, bitters, syrups and elixirs, also arsenic free and all perfect for complementing your own Poisoner's Cabinet. Their online shop is relaunching in November and Poisoner's Cabinet listeners can enjoy 10% off their purchases by using the code Arsenic Alarm. Do check out their website, Emporium32, the number 32.com, and also find them on your usual social media channels. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 131. It is. It is. Hooray. No. Oh, that's a sinister hooray. Hooray. It's almost as if you're in the mood for spooky month. This is going too far. <laughs> <laughs> this is going too carried away. I won't let this go, Absolutely Nick. not. A couple of weeks left of this nonsense. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to crowbar in every single thing about spookiness that I yeah. can. I went pumpkin picking today. I know you did. <laughs> the glee in your face. <laughs> I've never been pumpkin picking before. Have you before? never been pumpkin picking no, before? No, no. It's, it's not, oh. well, it's not so much of a, a thing around here. No. Local... Wonderful farm, the Wonky Parsnip. The Wonky Parsnip, which is a good name for a farm. Oh, it's so good. And they are brilliant. And <laughs> the first day they opened, I was bloody there, knocking kids out of the way. <laughs> Queuing up outside at six in the morning, waiting outside with your thermos. <laughs> I need pumpkins. Wheelbarrowing through people. And I did get the beast. The beast. The beast pumpkin. <laughs> I just like this no, just known as the beast. <laughs> Throughout Kent, it's like, oh, she got the beast. Uh, I'm going to share a picture of it and our American followers are going to go, that's tiny. It's a tiny pumpkin. Yeah, it's the biggest one in all the land has ever seen. No, it's not going to win any prizes, but it was was a joy. It was a joy to go frolicking through and tripping over vines, which I did many times, (laughs) and just have a wheelbarrow full of pumpkins to the point where the woman who runs the place went, Wow, all right. <laughs> okay. I think I have a problem. Yes. And you got these back in your car? I did. Right. Well, how else did you think oh, I got no, them back? Stacked up in the passenger seat with a big smiley face drawn on one of them. <laughs> oh, I missed a trick. <laughs> yeah, you did. I went to Morrison's and I locked the car. I'm not even kidding, Nick. This And I had a word with myself in my head <laughs> outside of the car. I covered up the pumpkins, left my purse visible on oh, the that's fine. The I mean, seat. there's the laptop and the iPad. <laughs> and the... But no one must see the pumpkins. <laughs> but no one must see the pumpkins. <laughs> not the big one. I was like, someone will have that. Someone will have that. They'll break into Morrison's car park at 11 a.m. <laughs> to steal the beast <laughs> from the back of your car. <laughs> The word has got around. Oh, she got the beast. <laughs> she got the beast. Yeah, there were people queuing up behind you going, oh, she got the fucking beast. <laughs> I drove away from the farm and the woman waved me off and she immediately picked up her phone and went, tell everyone. 
So yeah, I have pumpkins now all over my garden and I've made a display and I'm not sure why I did it. So, so you can actually watch it rot over the next few weeks. And then I'm going to carve them. I'm going to carve some next week for our lovely, lovely craft Are you going to carve the beast? I don't know. You're going to carve a beast into the beast? I could do. I feel like the beast needs a carving. Uh, a carving. A carving. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. Let's go with it. Okay. Yes, we are going to be doing a lovely craft along, a live craft along next Friday, the 28th of October. Over for our Patreon subscribers. Everyone's going to bring a craft. We're going to have some drinks. We're going to build stuff. We're going to carve things. We're going to knit things and answer some questions. So Patreon subscribers, that's something to look forward to. I just get to build my Lego, so I'm happy. Everyone's very much here for the Lego. Very excited for the Lego. Yeah. <laughs> well, any poisonings this week, Nick? No. Oh. I think perhaps I've been saved up for the Halloween season week. Day. Day. The event. Day of death. Poisoning. <laughs> Alcohol poisoning then, yes. Speaking of pumpkin picking and finding beasts in your car, I think it is time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. Yes. Probably. I wonder if any of these people are. In fact, pumpkins. You're all marvellous. Thank you very much to Lauren Garushilo. To She-Wolf. Uh, to Yebin One. Dale Williamson. And to Jen M. Thank, Thank you, you very much. so much, you delicious, sexy Patreon subscribers. Thank you to everyone who's also upgraded from arsenic aficionados to cyanide. Well, Nick, are you ready? I think so. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. Why not? Or oh. we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. Now, what, what's that there? What's going on there? It's a voice. It's, it's a, just a voice. It's a legitimate is, voice. A legitimate voice. Okay. Do not want to take away your legitimacy. I apologise. <laughs> Let's go with the first one. It is my story this week. Hooray, hooray, hooray. But we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and it will flavour our cocktail of the week. So this week's secret ingredient is a dagger. Hmm. A dagger. Not very poisony. Mm. No, 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 no. That should give you a hint as to the method of death <laughs> in this story. It's a, it's a slight, a slight giveaway. If someone was on. holding a dagger and then poisoned the shit out of someone, then um, yes. <laughs> Misdirection. Indeed. Misdirection. <laughs> to the person you've killed. Yeah. What? <laughs> no, it's a dagger okay. in the library with Colonel Mustard. Excellent. What have you come up with? So, well, you said a dagger, so I've gone with a dagger. Oh, is that what it's called? No, it's called a cloak and dagger. <gasps> Cloak and dagger. Yeah. Has an air of mystery about it. Mm. Well, I think it is high time for us to go under the cover of a cloak into the poisonous <laughs> cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Well, Nick. Mm. A cloak and dagger. Yeah. Now, cloak and dagger. I was, I suppose I was expecting something dark and mystical. This looks bright and fresh. Yeah, I'm regretting my glass choice. Okay, well, it's a, a highball. Yep. And it's a lovely pale lemon colour, really. Yes. There looks like some effervescence in there. So either there's some sort of fizzy drink or you've put it in Alka-Seltzer. Yeah, never know. Planning ahead. All right. So cloak and dagger. Yeah. Cheers. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Mm, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's oh, my jaw is doing things. That's got a sour twang to oh, it. Why is your jaw doing things? It's quite sour. That sour got a woo sharp and sour. I don't know. Daggery, sharp. <laughs> oh yeah. Spiky. Sour is the taste of revenge. <laughs> That's um interesting. <laughs> I'm not opposed okay. to it. I'm confirming and denying nothing. Okay, right, okay. Well, I heard something pop in the kitchen. Either your lower back or... Is there cider in this? No. What? Oh, well, then I'm fucked, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, has it got fizz in it? Yeah! Oh, good, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hence the bottle here. I literally just turned my hands. Oh, there's a bottle of fizz there. <laughs> there right. we go. Yes, <laughs> there honest... is some fizz. <laughs> cider has been nowhere near any of this. I don't know. It has that kind of sour taste to it. Okay, so there's fizz in it. There's fizz, yeah. And um, something else. I've got a terrible palate. <laughs> <laughs> or you have terrible fizz. <laughs> it's not just fizz. Okay. There are other things in a cloaky daggery way yes. in the fizz. I think you need to take off the cloak and show me the dagger. Gin. Yay. Some sugar. Sugar. Bit of lime. Bit of lime. Oh, lime. Lime mm -hmm. we've gone with rather mm -hmm. than the lemon. Yeah, we're in the French 75 territory, but we've gone astray. And some chartreuse! No! Oh, oh, God, why? That's why it tastes like bloody cider. No. It tastes weird. That's the thing. It's, 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 a, it's, like a, it's a last word, French 75, 
hybrid crossover. Smash. Smash. I, I genuinely don't know how to feel about it, regardless <laughs> of the chartreuse in it. It just tastes weird. Oh, I'm, quite, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to drink it. Yeah. So I put it in this highball glass. I think in the picture, it's in a flute. Oh. So there will be a lot things. There will be a lot less fizz. So the cult, the sort of the spiritual yes. ingredients will be a lot stronger in that because there will be less fizz in the flute than you get in a highball. Mm. But then if if it was like in the flute or something like that, it would be a lot stronger. Well, it's true because I didn't spot the chartreuse in there, but there was something taint right. It's got mm. a, a, a sour got twang to it. Stuff going on. It's got fucking twigs in it. That's what's the problem. It's got twigs. The green one. Is it green? It's green chartreuse. Why is it yellow then? Have a word with chartreuse, Nick. Oh, it needs I'm, to. I'm... Don't you start saying that that's green. Don't th- make it's this not the yellow. black and gold it's dress. It's not yellow. It's yellow. No, I, I, acid I'm, yellow, I would say. Which is a greeny yellow. <laughs> it's got lime in there. It's not freaking green. It's not what it is. It's not fucking yellow either. It's um, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. All right. Let's just agree it's purple. Yes, it's purple. Let's go with that. <laughs> it's not bad because you have put a lot of fizz in it. it it's 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 weird. <laughs> well, no more for you then. How much chartreuse is in it? That's about half an ounce. Yes, yeah, see, that's all right. That's perfectly acceptable. To oh, is it? Seven ounces of fizz. <laughs> to a bucket of fizz, you can have half an ounce of chartreuse. Well, that's the perfect amount. <laughs> you know what would be a better amount? No chartreuse and just fizz. Rude. <laughs> Do you like it? I, I, I don't object. I'm not going to make it every week. It's not, I don't, I, certainly if I find it perfectly pleasant. Would um, you make this again? This is the question. No, probably not. 131 cocktails that we've done really? and yeah. some more but we say about because we've done multiple ones so perhaps even like 140 cocktails mm. how many do i make on a regular basis five six yeah we should revisit every so, now and then have a have a weekend of working through so, them yeah. we yeah. like the fact that you bring the creativity every week to us on the show okay with the cloak and dagger in hand we're still gonna drink it it's fine are you ready for a story nick oh go on then okay now i have to prepare you hmm for your expectations to be raised okay. and briefly lowered, but then raised again. Okay, I'm going to go to the briefly lowered section of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> because we are off this week to Salem. Ooh. But we are not, I'm going to say it right off the bat, <laughs> it may shock you to learn, not going witch hunting. Fair enough. We are not doing the Salem witch trials this episode. Yeah. We tossed a coin this month on which of the famous witchy stories we could cover leading up to Halloween and the outcome will be revealed next week. <laughs> but it's not Salem. <laughs> it's not Salem. It's not Salem. Which, mm-hmm, which other one could it be? Of course, the story of the Salem witch trials is huge and maybe we will save it for another time. To be perfectly honest, it is a truly tragic tale. It is not a good story. Mm, as all witch trials are, it's immensely important. It's fascinating. But whereas other cases of witch trials have actual murders in the midst of the mayhem. The Salem witch trials, the only murders that were committed were against the innocent yeah. people accused. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it's not much fun. That is the murder. There may have been an accusation thrown in there, but no one was killed apart from the people who were hanged mm-hmm. and pressed to death. Maybe we will come back to it one day. But yes, while we're not covering the Salem witch trials and we build up to another witchy story for Halloween, I still couldn't get Salem out of my head. Mm. And that's when I did a bit of digging to see what else is Salem known for because it can't just be about the witch trials and hocus pocus much as we'd love that to be true <laughs> but while we're in Salem we have a brutal murder to solve Nick well that's no fun yes a murder not just any old murder not just there was a murder it happened it happened to be in Salem no 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 it was a sensation it was the crime of the century was it the crime of the world people would have it known okay influenced Many a writer, we are going to investigate. We have got a miserly old man. We've got okay. a killer on the loose. Mm-hmm. We've got blackmail. And we've got lots of lovely, juicy legal shenanigans and landmark rulings. You and your landmark rulings. Oh, I don't know if it was a landmark ruling, but they did change the law a little bit. So, yeah. So, de- definitely, definitely landmark. Definitely landmark. Is there anything more spooky than a landmark ruling? Right. Yes. I can see this is going to be your book that's coming out, isn't it? Forget the poisoners, forget the cocktails, it's Sinead's landmark rulings. I have no patience for that. I have a few that I'd put in there and then the rest of it will just be me just going screw Flanders over and over again. <laughs> Let us head to Salem in 1830. Now in 1830, Salem is a thriving port city. 
where maritime trade is booming and you have many a local merchant strutting around the place being very pleased with their massive amounts of wealth. As one would if one was massively wealthy. Oh yes, strutting full stride they are. Salem is home actually to America's first millionaire. Actually the wealthiest man (laughs) on the planet at the time he died, E. Haskett Darby was okay. an international trader and property magnate who was worth $31.4 billion in today's money. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot mm-hmm. of money. Big hats he had. But we're going to go to another wealthy magnate of Salem, Captain Joseph White, a wealthy retired merchant of Salem who had amassed a huge fortune as a shipmaster and a trader. He lived in a very grand house on Essex Street, which is now the most famous and popular shopping and tourist street in the city. Three-story red brick home with huge white columns, the portico. A huge veranda. Well, a carved wooden roof balustrade. Very fancy. Carved it was. Carved. Carved. <laughs> <laughs> Whittled from a living tree. <laughs> they make a big deal out of it. I'm like, so it was a banister, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but a fancy one. At this time, Captain White was 82 years old. He'd never married, but he'd Too had... Too much s- <laughs> I don't have time for that nonsense. Yeah. I've got banisters to carve. <laughs> he had a very small staff to keep his home. I say small staff. It was a maid, a housekeeper, who was also his niece, who had come uh-huh. to live with him. The woman, Mary Beckford, was a reportedly a fine-looking woman of 40 or 45. Yeah. But yeah, she has to earn her keep for well, staying quite. there. She's his favourite niece, by the way. <laughs> so he deems... And he's given her a job. <laughs> <laughs> a few crumbs from the table. <laughs> Most benevolent uncle. <laughs> Literally. He has a maid and a manservant, Benjamin White, who is also another distant relative. <laughs> so we just Nepsism get... f- runs in the family. Come and stay with me. Also, do clear up all my shit. So, little miserly, shall we say, this fine mansion... He is happy for everyone to know how rich he is, how powerful he is. He keeps an iron chest in his bedroom that is filled with gold doubloons. Lovely. And kept them close by him rather than entrusting those pesky banks. But where did this gold come from? Well, we... Pirating. 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 Buried treasure. Let's just decide which we prefer. Shipbuilder, yeah, yeah. Uh, merchant, uh, pirating, that, that's that's an option. Maybe he yeah. has a secret life. Uh, he did trade fish yeah, and produce and shoes and people. Yeah, yeah, I knew that yeah. was going. Oh, Captain White loved him some slaves. Loved buying and selling people for his own personal gain. Now, you may think I'm just using hyperbole here, going, oh my goodness, he had slaves. At this time, Massachusetts had abolished slavery, banned the slave trade. So Captain White had obviously had a very long career beforehand. And he had boasted to a Salem minister called William Bentley that he had no reluctance in selling any part of the human race. Yeah. So it's fair to say that gold in his iron chest is soaked with blood of the people (laughs) that he had traded and who had died on his ships. That's not fun. But at the time, no one is really going to shun Captain White. He's got a load of cash. He's got a load of cash on. This industry has been in everyone's family for a very, very, very long time. These families would have made their money exactly the same way. So let's not talk about it, but let's not cut anyone out because of it. Salem Minister Joseph B. Felt wrote in 1791, A few of our merchants, like others in various seaports, still loved money more than the far greater riches of a good conscience, more than conformity with the demands of the human race, with the law of the land, and the religion of their god. (laughs) But Captain White was not just a bastard upon the high seas. Oh, no, no, no. He would later be referred to as a sweet, innocent old man. Eh. Yeah. No, in his retirement, he proved to be a bitter old man when it came to his family. Nice. You know what his favourite thing in the world was? Changing his will. Oh, okay. Based on whoever had annoyed him that day. Oh, I like it. That's, that's height of petty. <laughs> he would constantly be tearing up and rewriting wills. He would use his vast fortune. Was yes. Well, you would. <laughs> you you va- would. I would. God, yeah. If you had a vast fortune that I might leave to you, I might not. Depends how much you piss me off, really. <laughs> I think that'd be great fun. This toast qu- isn't quite brown yeah. enough. Well, I need to get out my quill, apparently. Yeah, exactly. No, that was too toasty. <laughs> Nothing for you. You can use your fortune to make people bow to your pressure to get whatever you want from your family, from those who are nearest and dearest to you. And it sounds like he did this a lot. 
he was constantly changing his will, constantly worried about who would get their hands on his fortune mm. and using it as a stick to beat you with or a carrot to dangle. We joke. <laughs> there had been a very large dispute in his family three years prior to the time we're in now. His grandniece, Mary, daughter of Mary Beckford. So she's the favorite niece who lives yep. with him. Now, a lot of people in this story, I'm sorry, have the same name. That's just rude. Mm. So Mary Beckford is his favorite niece. She- Slash housekeeper. Slash housekeeper. Daughter, also called Mary. Of course. Mary Jr. She fell in love with a man named Joseph Jenkins Knapp. Joseph Knapp. Now, he is also a junior, but Joe Knapp, we're going to call him throughout the story. And she had sought permission to wed him. Now, the Knapp family were respectable Mm -hmm. in Salem. Decent, good family. Mm. Captain White was having none of it. Nope, he was a gold digger. Uh, gold digger favorite niece favorite grandniece no you can't be marrying this man if you do this you are disowned you are disinherited mary jr basically flicks two v's at her grand uncle and says no i'm gonna marry joseph anyway yeah. absolutely she is disinherited out of the house she goes and lives with the knapp family about seven miles away from good for her salem town center yeah good for her love conquers all hmm <laughs> Does it? Does it really? On the 6th of April, 1830, Captain White goes off to bed about 9.40pm. Mary Beckford Sr., his niece, the housekeeper, Mm -hmm. is off to see her daughter, Mary Jr. She has gone to stay with her. So the house is pretty quiet. He's got his servants there. Heads off to bed. He has more wills to write. Absolutely. 6am the next morning, the man's servant wakes up and went about his business to find that one of the windows in the parlour was open. And a plank of wood was leaning against it, leading down to the yard below. So I was having a fun BMX evening. <laughs> <laughs> the old man just on his, on his, <laughs> on his penny farthing out the window. <laughs> zooming around the place he was. That's why loops. he amassed his fortune. Exactly. So he could get the biggest windows possibly <laughs> for that one loop-de-loop. That, that, that big old ramp he's got built. Well, that's not the first conclusion Is that, that not, the uh, servant okay. leaps to. Well, he goes, maybe there are robbers. Maybe someone has tried to break into the house. That's not right. He goes and gets the housemaid and says, okay, we're going to check the house. Let's go up and see the captain. Let's go and make sure he's okay. And they enter the old man's room. They find the door open and Captain White lying still across his bed. But the sheets are covered in blood. Oh. The captain's head has been bashed. The skin is not broken, but there is mm. clearly an indentation. Big old bruise. Yeah. And also, there are many knife wounds across his chest. Many, many knives. <laughs> yes. And tire marks and all sorts. <laughs> Don't know why I've got that in my head. <laughs> Penny farthing Penny cycling farthing. along and he's stabbing someone with an umbrella yeah. just as he goes. This is how it works. Well, Ultimate English crime. <laughs> No one will ever catch me. <laughs> I'm the penny farthing bastard. It's Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Is that how he got away? Yeah. Penny farthings across the rooftops. Anyway, I've solved another crime. I need to get on with this one. The body is cold. The servants look around the room, but they find no valuables missing. Mm. That big iron chest, the one that is stock full of, of gold doubloons. Booty. Mm. Yeah. You could just at least open it and get a handful if you can't move Man. the chest. The chest would be terribly difficult to move. No, all the possessions are as they should be. Ooh. So the servants raise the alarm. A prominent doctor and the captain's clerk attends the scene. The clerk brilliantly notices a footprint near the open window and he gets a milk pan and he covers it. He covers it to preserve it. Unfortunately, he's about the only person Mm. in America at the time who thinks this could be evidence. This could be important. No one is taking plaster casts of footprints. No one is paying any attention. That milk pan sits there for years. (laughs) That poor clerk is like, but but please. (laughs) I've got a clue. (laughs) (laughs) A Dr. Samuel Johnson, not that one. Not that one. Carried out the autopsy, sticking probes into the wound to determine their depths and their size. The doctor concluded that White had been struck over the head and had either been stunned or killed Mm. outright. And then there were, and I quote, five stabs in the region of the heart, three in the front of the left pap. Right. That's the nipple. Oh, is that so? I did not know what that was. (laughs) And five others still further back. But yes, the pap. The pap. Never heard that before. But all of those stab wounds have been delivered by a small dagger a duck the man takes a long time to probe around in the wounds Mm. to determine the size so he says it's definitely a dagger it's not a sword it's not a knife it's nothing else like that it is a dagger to the point where 
A second autopsy is carried out to go, we have to determine at this stage what was the cause of death. Was it the blow to the head or was it the stabbing? And it's very difficult because the first doctor has like prodded around in the wound <laughs> so much, really just like made some purchase in there, just like, ah, oh, stirring around like, yep, definitely a dagger. Definitely well, we can't that. fucking tell now, can we? But it is thought that the captain whacked across the head, stabbed 13 times. That's a rageful, total. that is. That's a... In the meantime, the local news reports, mm, Salem Gazette, we love you. The painful duty devolves upon us of announcing that in our peaceful town, which we had hitherto believed to be secure from the midnight assassin. Oh, the midnight assassin. Those crimes of the deepest dye which have occasionally stained the annals of European nations. Absolutely. And of some parts of our own country. A capital letters murder. Not a murder has been perpetrated so horrible and atrocious that we should in vain search the records of time in any country for a case exceeding it in enormity. Slightly overplaying things, I feel. The single purpose of the perpetrator seems to have been the taking of life. Yeah, 13 stab wounds will give that indication. No money and nothing of value was either taken or sought for, though many valuable articles and rouleaux of doubloons were in the chamber. A rouleau. A rouleau. What's that? A shitload. So, God bless the Salem Gazette. And because... Was that just the headline? Yes. The whole front page. Block capitals. The Salem Gazette runs this story in lurid detail. Nice. Beautifully. And apologises for it constantly and yet apologises for nothing. Yeah. Stephen White, who is the nephew of Captain White, he offers up a reward. He absolutely releases all the details to the papers. and says, mm-hmm. No, we need to find this person. The Salem Gazette is like, <laughs> we're going to sell so many papers. The, the paper ran the autopsy report in full. Um, I haven't con- I haven't included it because it's massive. Yeah. They said, however revolting the subject may be, we have deemed it our duty oh. to lay before our readers every particle of authentic <laughs> information <laughs> we can obtain respecting the horrible crime which has so shocked and alarmed our community. Yeah. It's like you get that on TV now. Like, they, oh, yeah, footage may contain disturbing images or whatever. Subscribe, subscribe, Yeah, exactly. Subscribe. Everyone goes, right, I want to fucking say this then. <laughs> they may as well have put, buy our papers every day because this shit gonna get real. Yeah. You would, you would. Oh, as a local God, absolutely. Pa- they, they are going to be delighted. There's like, no one's been killed There's here. There's bugger all else going on. We can't keep reporting on the witch trials. In an 1830 editorial in the Rhode Island American, another paper, harking back to Salem's troubled history, it said that the city was forever stained with blood 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 three times now while we may laugh imagine reading this at the most horrific crime of in history apparently ever ever has ever happened in the history of the world like indeed and if you live in salem and you read it this is your only source of information yeah and you're going oh god this is (laughs) happening here so of course residents are arming themselves loading up (laughs) on weapons that they can find knives cutlasses we're still in the days of cutlasses yeah. yay pistols watchdogs absolutely everyone's getting a watchdog i like to think they're not on these they're just being held <laughs> pointed it's just like under the arm like a big gun like a blunderbuss but it's a dog yeah you cock the gun it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna shout and bark at people one guy's got a dash and <laughs> It's like, oh, a guy, another guy's got a certain Bernard, he can't lift it. Someone got a cat, they ran out of dogs. The Smithsonian did a, a lovely piece where it said, the sound of new locks and bolts being hammered in place was everywhere. Long-time friends grew wary of each other. What can a city do, though, Nick, when people are fearful for their lives? Um, police. Police are good. Police, some sort of police presence, maybe. I think you can do order. one better. I think you can do better. You can organise a committee of vigilance. Right. That does sound like some sort of superhero gang. The committee of vigilance. 27 people from the community. Right. Basically neighbourhood watch. Neighbourhood watch with big sticks and guns. With guns. Nice. You have to picture Home of the Vigilante from The Simpsons here. That full group. They were sanctioned to search people's houses without a warrant. Nice. They are kicking people's doors down, eating the good food, drinking the good booze. I'm taking this apple pie for questioning. (laughs) 
<laughs> but they are seemingly committed. They're, they're doing it. It's from a good place. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. They want to help and they want to do right. They all took an oath of secrecy. This is desperately sort of secret society sort of... <laughs> So yes, so we go search everyone's house, but we shan't tell anyone what we find. It's a secret, or what we do, or what we do. What happens in the committee stays, stays in, in the, the committee. committee. Absolutely. <laughs> but for all of their oaths and warrantless searches and strutting around like big shots, no one was any closer to finding the killer for mm. several weeks, <laughs> for for a long time. And you'd think that, oh, you know, with this many people in. Yes, it's a city and it's a very thriving port. Yeah. A lot of people, lot of people coming, coming through. And going. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of people coming and going. But people talking to each other, maybe they would make some headway. What was worse is that on the 27th of April, Joseph Knapp Jr., remember the husband yes. of White's grandniece, told the committee that he and his brother, John, had been attacked. They had been attacked the night before the murder by three robbers. They were on the road returning oh. uh, from Wenham. And three people came. They snatched the trunk from the uh, horse and trap that they had, no. disappeared into the night. And they're saying, why are you looking for these people? They came to the committee and gave them this information. Now there's a gang of killers on the loose. Great. Let's write that up in the press and everyone <laughs> just get more guns and more dogs. As the investigation rolled on into May, clues suddenly start landing in the committee's lap. Do they? They're not just doing well enough themselves. All of a sudden. They receive a letter from a jail in New Bedford an inmate and petty thief called Hatch. He claimed that while he was in a gambling house back in February of that year, he had overheard two men, brothers Richard and George Crowninshield. Okay. Good name. Fancy name. Planning the robbery and murder of Captain Joseph White. Oh. Now, these two men, Crowninshield family, was respectable, known, mm. but the boys were the black sheeps. Yeah. They were known to favour haunts of vice. <gasps> The committee were able to question Hatch and then get enough to arrest Richard and George Crowninshield and hurl them into jail to await trial. But as they are hurled into jail, a letter arrives at the home of Joseph Knapp Sr., okay. the father. The father, yeah. You get this? I'm sorry, there's so many yeah, similar yeah, the names. The father of me. the niece's husband. Now, I have <laughs> edited this because it was lengthy, but dear sir, it reads... I have taken the pen at this time to address an utter stranger, and strange as it may seem to you, it is for the purpose of requesting the loan of $350, for which I can give you no security but my word, and in this case consider this to be sufficient. Okay. At all events, I think it will be for your interest to comply with my <laughs> request. Right. If you do not comply with it, the refusal of it will ruin you. Are you surprised at this assertion? Rest assured that I make it reserving to myself the reasons and a series of facts which are founded on such a bottom as will bid defiance to property or quality. Okay, that's some fancy blackmail going on there. It is useless for me to enter into a discussion of facts which must inevitably harrow up your soul. No, I will merely tell you that I am acquainted with your brother Frank. So brother Frank? Mm, okay. Hmm. And also the business that he was transacting for you on the 2nd of April last. And that I think that you was very extravagant in giving $1,000 to the person that would execute this business for you. But you know best about that. You see that such things will leak out. I have said enough to convince you of my knowledge and merely <laughs> inform you that you can, when you answer, be as brief as possible. Direct yours to Charles Grant, okay. Prospect, Maine. So he's implying that the husband's father has hired an assassin. This letter is sent to Joseph Knapp Sr. Yes, so Joseph Knapp's father. Yes, but he's implying that Joseph Knapp has hired and his brother Frank. This is the confusing thing, yeah. that it's sent to the father, but it's referring to, to the his, his son. son. His son, your right. brother Frank. You have engaged in this business where you've hired someone and paid them a thousand pounds, and you need to send me money, mm. otherwise I'm going to spill the beans. Okay. Okay. So, Daddy goes to talk to his sons and goes, yeah. "What's this?" And his sons say, "It's utter trash, utter trash." Take it to the committee. Take it to the committee Meh. and have them investigate it. At the same time, a letter is received by the chairman of the committee of vigilance, 
and it says, gentlemen of the committee of vigilance, hearing that you must have taken up four young men on suspicion of being concerned in the murder of Captain White, and that is the Crown and Shield brothers and mm-hmm. two guys that they knew. I think it is time to inform you that Stephen White came to me one night and told me if I would remove the old gentleman, he would give me $5,000. He said he was afraid he would alter his will if he lived any longer. I told him I would do it, but I was afraid to go into his house and he said he would go with me and that he would try to get into the house in the evening and open the window and then would go home and go to bed, meet me again at 11 o'clock and I found him and we both went into his chamber. I struck him on the head with a heavy piece of lead and he stabbed him with a dirk and he made the finishing strokes with another. He promised to send me the money the next evening, but he's not sent it yet, which is why I have reason to mention this. <laughs> Yours, etc. Grant. Right. <laughs> So I read that at speed because it's just babbling nonsense. There's a lot of babbling going on there, yeah. And yet, at the same time... Oh, God, there's more. (laughs) A letter is received by Stephen White, the nephew. Mr. White will send the $5,000, or part of it, before tomorrow night, or suffer the painful consequences. Mm. Grant. Who Who is Grant? He's getting carried away with his letter writing. So... Several of these letters by this grant have been sent around. The letter is a letter writer is accusing Stephen White of being involved everyone. in this. Is accusing everyone, blackmailing them at the same time. The committee decide that they will send money to Mr. Grant. Oh, Mr. No. Grant has left a PO to the Knapp family. He's left a PO in some of these letters. Okay, fine. We're going to send fifty dollars, and we'll see who mm, picks see it up. See what happens. They station people at a post office. A man no one has ever seen before turns up to collect the money. And of course, they pounce. Mm. They pounce. The man who was brought in reveals he is not Charles Grant because Charles Grant doesn't exist. Absolutely, of course not. He is a man named Palmer. He's an ex-convict. But he reveals that he knew the Crown and Shield brothers and that they had indeed been hired with the promise of $1,000 to kill Captain White. Mm-hmm. And they had been hired by Joseph Knapp Jr. Mm. And his brother Frank. And I think that's time for another drink. Another drink. Oh, go on then. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Nick, the Knapp brothers are arrested. They are jailed alongside the Crown and Shield boys. Check them all in the jail. They're all in the jail. Uh, the Crown and Shield boys, Richard, you know, who's the main, supposed to be the perpetrator who's been hired. He's very nonchalant. He mm. doesn't yeah, yeah, He doesn't care at all. Joseph Knapp Jr. is in jail. It's not long before he confesses. 
Oh. Everything. Ooh. Which no one was expecting. No, indeed not. In a roundabout way, I can't read the whole confession, but Joseph Knapp Jr. reveals that when the captain, he realised that when the captain died, according to the most recent copy of his will, Mary Beckford, his wife's mother, mm-hmm. was due to inherit around $15,000. Okay. Great. A substantial sum, yep. But there's a lot more. There would be a lot more if he died without leaving a will. Mm. Because as he understood it, the estate would be divided equally Equally. between Mary and her brother. He was wrong about this. There was a caveat, but would not have resulted in this. But however, he thinks... That's why he believed that. This is what he thinks. So he thinks if he dies and he doesn't leave a will, I'm quids in. Mother-in-law goes to the daughter, only daughter. Yeah. And I'm the husband. I get all that cash. Yum, 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 yum. So Joseph never had snuck into Captain the captain's bedroom four days before the crime and he had snatched the will from the room. He had hidden it and then destroyed it. He enlisted his brother Frank to help him hire the Crown and Shield brothers because he was too frightened. They thought mm. about doing the crime together, but they thought, no, 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 no let's get someone else. <laughs> they promised them $1,000 to bump the old man off. Frank let Richard into the house. He said it was a beautiful moonlit night. How romantic. Romance in the air. And while the naps waited outside, Richard indeed clubbed the old mm. man over the head. He was pretty sure he'd killed him with that blow, but he thought, I'll just stab him. Just to make sure. Stab him, stab him, stab him. Made sure he was dead. Out the door. A few days later, though, Richard turned up at the nap home demanding his money. Yeah, where's said, I, don't, I don't care when you're getting your inheritance. I want my money. Yeah. The problem was is that the Knapp brothers had been relying on this massive inheritance and then they realised they weren't actually going to get as much as they thought mm. so they really don't have the money to pay for Richard. And so this is where this cycle of letters appears to have <laughs> come from. Now we don't know exactly who wrote what because the confession of Joe Knapp is enough. Yeah. Is enough. Like, right, we've got this confession. And Richard Crowning Shield, who was exuding confidence in the jail, he had um, asked for books on mathematics and Cicero's orations and was just generally like, I'm definitely going to get <laughs> Absolutely. off. Absolutely. When he hears that Joe Knapp Jr. has confessed, he collapses. Yeah, that's less good for him. His life of crime came tumbling out of all the witnesses and acquaintances of his. And what would end up is that Richard Crowning Shield would eventually hang himself Ooh, in his God. prison using two silk handkerchiefs. <laughs> but his death genuinely threw a spanner in the works because the Knapp brothers were accessories to murder. He was the murderer. But the law at the time dictated that accessories could not be convicted unless the murderer... Unless the perpetrator was. No ...had been cunning. convicted. And it makes sense. You yeah. know, you think about that and go, oh, okay. okay. So it seemed that the Knapps could get off scot-free. That is until... Mm-hmm. I have to compress all of this because a lot of legal wrangling. A lot of legal shenanigans going no, on No, trust me. So oh. many landmark rulings. You need to take a drink because the big man is about to come in here. The big man who you've probably never heard of and yet... <laughs> the prosecution decided to bring in the big guns, famed lawyer and senator, Daniel Webster. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no he is called is. in to prosecute. Now, no, I wouldn't have known. Who, I wouldn't have known who that is. You've got to think Robert Shapiro, Johnny Cochrane, Amal Clooney of the time. Famous, famous, famous. This man has negotiated between the North and the South. He has risen through the ranks as a lawyer, as a politician. He is a senator. His dramatic dark coloring and relentless gaze had earned him the nickname Black Dan. <laughs> Oh, it, all of his outfits and his look, everyone talked about him. I mean, like he is the celebrity of celebrities of lawyers. We'll, we'll just address the fact, a little bit of a drinker, a bit of a drunkard, and oh, did yeah. not do good things about slavery later on. Had mm. been had pro-abolishing slavery and then just turned around because of his political leanings. Yeah, yeah. Bad, bad man. But still, <laughs> at the time, his skills as an orator are famed. Mm. And he took on the case and oh boy, oh boy, did he have some juicy speeches. <laughs> He addresses the jury and he states, This bloody drama exhibited no suddenly excited, ungovernable rage. The actors in it were not surprised by any lion-like temptation springing upon their virtue or overcoming it before resistance could begin, nor did they do the deed to glut savage vengeance or satiate long-settled and deadly hate. It was a cool, calculating, money-making murder. 
It was all hire and salary, not revenge. It was the weighing of money against life, the counting out of so many pieces of silver against so many ounces of blood. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> You've got to picture the defense when he says his opening statement is going, oh, fuck. No, we're screwed. <laughs> no, no chance. No chance whatsoever. The one defense is that the naps could not be accessories to murder because they weren't in the room at the time. Mm. They were outside. But it's he, flimsy. It's flimsy. Mm, mm, he gives a blistering statement <laughs> yeah. that says the fact that they were nearby, the murderer would have known he could have called on help at any time. And he describes the scene, a healthful old man to whom sleep was sweet the first sound of slumbers of the night held him in their soft but strong embrace the assassin enters through the window already prepared with noiseless foot he paces the lonely hall half lighted by the moon he winds up the ascent of the stairs and reaches the door of the chamber of this he moves the lock but soft and continued pressure till it turns on its hinges without noise and he enters and beholds his victim before him. Everyone in the courtroom is on the edge of their seat. Absolutely, I am. <laughs> Chewing popcorn, yeah. whatever was available at the time, bits of wood, they don't care. This kind of passage, I'm going to come back to why that's so important, but it, it, it has everyone in their rapture. There's a literary critic called John Nicol who would later write about his oration <laughs> during this court case. One seems to hear the bones of the victims crack under the grasp of a boa constrictor. Isn't that good? Very nice. Under just the onslaught <laughs> from Webster and the defence going, what oh the what? God. We don't have a chance. <laughs> the jury take just five hours yeah. to find Frank Knapp guilty of murder and his brother joe is later convicted of the same crime rather than any of the debate about accessory the accessory needs to be alive you know the murderer needs nah. to be alive no 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 they no, are no. guilty they are guilty both men are hanged the brothers are hanged three months apart george Shield was acquitted the brother of richard he wasn't there yeah. uh, his great alibi is he was with two women that night okay having a great time having a jolly old time absolutely and this story was a sensation of the time that would not only inspire The Scarlet Letter mm. by Nathaniel <laughs> Hawthorne, it figures in his writing, and he was a native of Salem, but also everyone credits to the gothic masterpiece that is The Telltale Heart yes. by Edgar Allan Poe. And I will be reading that this weekend <laughs> on Patreon. <laughs> Any goddamn excuse to read that story, but... That's why I read Webster's bit, because you're like, oh, my God, that's so the telltale heart. <laughs> that's, that's there. <laughs> so there you go. That is the story ah, of a sensational a murder in Salem. That's a good story. <laughs> well done. Well done, you. Well done. Well done, me. Well done, you. That's a good story. <laughs> I wanted to go to Salem. And you did it. And I did. I succeeded. And it in style. Do you want to? Do you want to hear the last thing that the Salem Gazette wrote? Go on then. About, oh, about no, no, about the committee of vigilantes. Oh, go on then. <laughs> Vigilance. 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 Not vigilantes. Vigilance. The public owe a large debt of gratitude to the committee of vigilance for the secrecy, prudence, and zeal with which they have laboured to elucidate this horrible mystery. With an energy that has never been tired, with a boldness that has never shrunk, and with a sagacity not to be misled, they have pursued their tiresome duties to this result. Well, well done, them. <laughs> I don't think they did a lot. Everything was put in their fucking place. Like, handed letters. Come on, come on. <laughs> I, do, I do like the constant references to their silence. I know. Well, you may think if they've been going around people's houses with no warrants, they've seen some shit. Well, this is what I'm Going thinking. Going through people's drawers and stuff like that, looking for, oh, Christ. So it's like, I shall tell no one <laughs> what I have We're seen. We're trying to find a murderer. We have seen some weird, we weird seen stuff. We have seen some weird shit in bedside tables. <laughs> my eyes, my eyes. <laughs> we very much appreciate your discretion. Yes. Well done on the silence. <laughs> but also, there's a vigilante group that banded together and did nothing until some people sent them letters. Because it wasn't going fast it's, enough. It wasn't going well, really. It does seem like Richard Crowninshield sent a letter blackmailing and then Knapp sent the other two letters just going, oh, shit, 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 yeah. shit, shit, babbling away. But I'm, I'm, I'm slightly in love with a lawyer. 
have to say. Oh, Dan Webster. Yeah. Daniel good, Webster. Good old speeches. You can read the whole transcripts of his opening statements, mm. his closing statements. They're so good. <laughs> they are... You kind of want to punch him in the face a little bit because they're they're too good. He was a he was a defense lawyer. Mm. Famously, he wanted to be a defense lawyer. He did not want to be on prosecution. He wanted to defend the the rights of the noble man, which would come back to haunt him later <laughs> on. Where it was like, dude, your morals. Yeah. But yeah, no, he took on this case. He was convinced to take on this case and that very kind of whiskey drinking like no I'm done I'm done no come on Dan Black Dan you gotta do it it. (laughs) you can do it no one can do it but you it's it's very it's very good Mm. so there you go murder in Salem marvellous that doesn't involve burning Mm, innocent people doesn't involve hanging innocent women I would ask you what you think about things but uh... ah well (laughs) about what he, they killed people. That's well, they killed a man. That's it's, pr- it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, isn't exactly. It? There, there, there's, there's not a huge amount of ambiguity going mm. on with this. Yes, they killed a man because they wanted his cash. Yeah, they did. So, but they didn't. Mm. They didn't steal the cash from the room. They just wanted to inherit. Yeah, they still wanted the cash. Yeah, and they still thought they were going to get all the cash. I like the cash as a red herring. Yeah. Well, if you think, well, I'm going to get billions of dollars or however much, then then a a chest of doubloons is nothing <laughs> in comparison to the billions I'm going to get next week. Depends how much of a crow brain you have. You go, oh, shiny, shiny, Sh- shiny. No, 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 the bigger picture. The, the bigger, bigger picture. Uh, bigger picture. No, well, so shiny. They, they were thinking bigger picture, really, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Thinking, they were. So they weren't, it wasn't a smash and grab type affair. Yeah. Of get everything shiny I can find and then run away. There was no, I'm in for the long haul and I'm going to gonna get what I can out of it. The legality of inheritance at the time that Joseph Knapp thought he had nailed Joseph Knapp mm. Jr., it is quite difficult when you read it and you go, what? Oh, what? Sure, yes. But it's like whether you inherit and it's split between two siblings or all of the family also get a share of it. It's quite complicated, but he thought he would just be entitled to everything that the mother-in-law got. And there was no way yeah. that was going to happen. No. There was no way that was going to happen. So there are other nephews and there's other family and things. But also, regardless that your man was making a million wills a day. Mm. He was never going to get it. Never going to get it. <laughs> Foolish man. Foolish man. Well, what do you think, people? What do you know of the stories of the murders in Salem, of the murder of Captain Joseph White? And it was quite sensational at the time mm. because it was probably all the press going, for once, it's not about witches. But biggest murder in the history of the world ever. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm going to go, possibly not. Is it because he was wealthy? <laughs> mm. yeah. tell us what you think in the comments of wherever you listen to this podcast what do you think of Salem would you like to hear more about Salem crimes would you like to hear about the Salem witch trials we would happily consider it and join us on social media to share your thoughts your feelings about spooky month but the most important thing you need to do is mix up a drink and I would say maybe <laughs> maybe make up a cloak and dagger Maybe make something else. Maybe make a French 75. See, I'm not a massive fan of a French 75. I am because it involves booze. <laughs> it involves champagne. Yes, well, so does this. Yeah, but it doesn't have fucking chartreuse in it. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that I went, I'm going to spit it out. It just, it did make me go, there's something wrong there. <laughs> me. Me, personally. You. Well, and we know me. you're wrong. <laughs> so, we've covered this many, many times. <laughs> But uh, the recipe will be out on Friday. We'll be out this <laughs> evening. Try it if you dare. <laughs> if you dare for Spooky Month. <laughs> for Spooky Month. <laughs> Where is the real horror? Is it in the graveyard or is it in the glass? Tell us what you are drinking this weekend. Share your pictures. And thank you to everyone who was sharing pictures of the merch you were receiving from our special higher tier Ooh, yes. of Patreon. We so love seeing it. It is an added benefit if you're on the higher tier of our Patreon. You get a special gift pack from us and a special handwritten note because we're so lovely. And keep sending us more suggestions of stories that we can cover for Spooky Month but also into the winter season. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.